I've always appreciated the various ways in which God's people complement the preaching of the gospel. My favorite through the years has been, we appreciate your efforts. To me, that sounds a lot like, nice try. But I want you to know how much I appreciate your genuine words of encouragement to me in our work together this weekend. I want you to know I love what I'm privileged to do, and I thank God that I get to do what I love to do. But I especially love that, love to do that among people who love God's Word and love the preaching of the Gospel. And so I thank you for allowing me to come and be with you this weekend and to learn from you and to have the privilege of doing what I love. I hope you were attentive to the words of the hymns that our brothers so capably and ably chose for us this morning. Neither the foe nor storm I fear, Savior divine, for thou art near, ready my cares and troubles all freely to share. What an amazing thought that as we fight the good fight of faith, Jesus is there, ready to share our burdens and our struggles. And we need not fear the storm, but simply look to Him. I want to ask you to look to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and read with me some verses, verses that Paul gave to the young preacher to encourage him to fight the good fight of faith as he Preach the gospel for the church in Ephesus. 1 Timothy chapter 1, where we'll read beginning with verse 12, he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me, because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, and yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to start with a simple question this morning that you can indicate by raising your hand. How many of you here this morning have ever failed at anything? Let's see the hands. Oh, good. I thought I was the only one. Life is about failure, isn't it? You can even go on YouTube and see videos that are not just failures, but what? Epic fails. 
Did you know that even some of the greatest success stories in our own country are born out of failure? Abraham Lincoln is considered in almost every poll to be the greatest president we ever had. Do you know that Abraham Lincoln lost more elections than he won in his career? Thomas Edison, he's the greatest inventor of all times. Did you know before he successfully invented the light bulb, he would say he found 1,000 ways not to do it? Failure. After failure. Henry Ford, before he founded the Ford Motor Company, saw three of his previous companies go into bankruptcy before he reorganized and found success. What that tells us is that there is life after failure. Failure does not have to be fatal. Now, we understand this with regard to other things, but for some reason, when we get to the spiritual realm, we think it's one and done. One failure, and I'm of no use to God. One failure, and I can't serve anymore and be effective in the kingdom. Just last week, there were four baseball players who were elected into the Hall of Fame. They'll be the class of 2018. When was the last time you ever saw a baseball player up for the Hall of Fame? And somebody came along and said, Now, wait a minute. He can't go in the Hall of Fame. There was this one game I was watching, and he struck out with the bases loaded. Or there was this one game and he made an error and we lost the whole game. He can't go into the Hall of Fame. No, we don't judge their whole career based on one game or one appearance. We see it as a whole and even hold them up to higher standards when they rise to success out of failure. Why don't we do that with the Christian? Why don't we do that with our own life? and see that God gives life after failure. One of the reasons we're not fighting the good fight like we ought to fight is because there have been times where the devil has devoured us. He beat us. Even in such epic fails, there is life again. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16, listen to what Solomon says. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Now we need to do the best we can. This is not a sermon about it's okay to fail. My brethren, John said... I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. That's the goal. We're striving for perfection. We're striving to do the very best we can do. But what's the next phrase say? I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If you do sin, 
we have an advocate with God, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 1 John 2 and verse 1. Jesus came to give us life after failure. Even epic fails. I want you to see, first of all this morning, that failure is why we need God in the first place. If we were all perfect people, why would He need to send His Son to die for the sins of the world? Why would Jesus have come to seek and save that which was lost? Because we were failures, we need God. Paul said in verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. That's us. And look at what a sinner Paul said he was. He said in verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer. He did not believe that Jesus was the Christ. He felt that he was an imposter, a fake Messiah. And so when he spoke out against Jesus, what he was doing was blaspheming. He said, I was a blasphemer. He said, I was a persecutor. He ravaged the church, going house to house. And when people fled out of Jerusalem, he didn't say, well, that's good enough. No, he chased after them. He got papers from the high priest to go to the city of Damascus to arrest those people and bring them back for trial, probably execution. I was a persecutor. He said, I was a violent aggressor. Remember, Acts says that he breathed threats and murder against the church. In Acts 26... He said, I took those Christians and I tried to force them to blaspheme. You say, God, could use someone like that? A blasphemer? A persecutor? A violent aggressor? Did you notice he said, I was formerly? That's who I was. That's not who I am now. That's what I used to be. It is not who I continue to be. God gives life after failure. Even one who described himself as the world's worst sinner. The chief. And God gave him life. Verse 13, I was shown mercy. Verse 14, the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. Because, verse 15, his perfect patience. If God can do that 
for a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, is there any sin in your past that God can not only redeem you from, but then make you useful again in His service? Can God do that for you? I understand that sin does bring shame and guilt, and there are consequences to our choices. But God's power and His grace is able to redeem us and save us and wash those things away. Even epic fails. Failure is why we're here this morning. We've come to worship Him who gave us life again. In Pasadena, there is right across the street from Bayshore Hospital a Shipley's Donuts. And so it's very common when the preachers go to visit someone at the hospital that we then go across the street for coffee and donuts. And one day, my preacher friend and I were sitting there visiting. We had our coffee and donut. And we had noticed down the street that the new fitness place was running a special. Two for the price of one. And we said, you know, we ought to go by and check that out. So we ordered another donut and we went down there. Uh, the lady was very nice. She said, please be seated. Someone will be with you in a moment. And we kind of looked around and saw what everybody was doing. And about that time, you ever had something happen where it was almost like in slow motion, as you remember it? And this very large person came in, several hundred pounds. And it was as if the place just stopped. And everyone was watching. And though nobody spoke these words, you could just hear it in the air, people thinking, what are they doing here? Where else are they supposed to go? Isn't that where they need to be? Of all other places, shouldn't they be there? Where else are failures supposed to go but to God and recognize that He can make us successful again? Failure is why we need God. Paul may have been those things, but they were formerly his. And now he was pressed into service of preaching the same gospel of the God who saved him. Failure is why we need God. Keep the faith. You can continue to fight even after epic fails. Number two, failure does not mean that God is finished with you. Just because you failed does not mean God has no more use for you. In Luke chapter 5, we have an account of where Jesus called the fishermen to follow Him. 
and be His disciples. Luke chapter 5, it came about while the multitude were pressing around Him and listening to the Word of God, and He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And He saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked Him to put out a little way from the land. And He sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. When He had finished speaking, He said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled up both of the boats so that they began to sink. Don't you know the experienced fisherman who had been out all night, hadn't even got a bite, and they're ready to come in, they're tired, they're, they're probably hungry, and here's this carpenter who's sitting in the boat and said, why don't you try again? Put out into the deep water. Peter said, Lord, we've been out there. Nevertheless, at your bidding. And they caught more fish than they probably had ever seen in their career. So much so, the boats were sinking, the nets were breaking. They had, Peter and Andrew had to call James and John over to help them bring in the fish. What was Peter's response in verse 8? All these others are caring for the fish, but when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, Peter understood that there were only three ways this could have happened, this great quantity of fish. He'd been out there trying on his own, hadn't caught any. One is that Jesus would have had the ability to see through the shallow water into the deep water and could see there are fish down there. The other is that Jesus called these fish that were in another part of the lake and had them appear right there. Or third, Jesus created the fish on the spot into the net. Either way, He knew this is not humanly possible. And so His first response was to do what each one of us would do were Jesus to walk in the back door and come into our assembly. He fell at his feet and said, I'm not worthy, Lord. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And I want you to notice what Jesus said. Verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, 
from now on, you will be catching men. Jesus did not say, well, Peter, you're not all that bad. He didn't excuse his sin. But he said, don't fear, Peter. From now on, I have use for you. From now on, you're not going to be catching fish into nets. You're going to be catching men alive with the gospel and saving them from destruction. I have use for you, Peter. You feel like you're worthless. I'm going to use you in my service. Failure does not mean God is finished with you. We see this very same language in John chapter 8. When Jesus was teaching and they brought to him this woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Jesus did not excuse her behavior. He did not say, well, it wasn't that bad. But you know what he did say to her? Go your way. From now on, sin no more. He identified what she had done as sinful. But he said, from now on, sin no more. It may very well be this morning that you've not been living like you ought to live. What are you going to do from now on? It may be that you haven't been the husband or the wife that God has called you to be through His Word. What are you going to do from now on. It may be that you've not been fighting the good fight. You've been fearful and timid, afraid to speak out, afraid to stand up for what's right. What are you going to do from now on? Failure does not mean God is finished with you. He doesn't excuse the sin. He forgives us. He saves us. But then He says, from now on, sin no more. Go and be who I've called you to be. Go and do what you know is right. From now on. And Peter did. Who was it who preached in Acts 2? And through the message that Jesus, who was crucified and resurrected as now Lord in Christ, was able to catch 3,000 souls alive. And they were baptized into Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Who did that? It was Peter, the one who said, Depart from me, I am sinful, I'm worthless. And Jesus said, From now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. There is life after failure.
even epic fails. And number three, failure does not have to define you. Your failure does not have to define you. What first comes to your mind when you think of King David? When you're browsing through the headings that are in First and Second Samuel, now these headings were given by the translators. They're not inspired, but they, they give us a little picture of what the chapter is about. And just by reading those, they kind of read like headlines in the newspaper. And here are some of the headings that you read in First and Second Samuel about David. David anointed. David kills Goliath. The house of David strengthened. David king over all Israel. David's prayer. David's triumphs. And then you get to 2 Samuel 11. And guess how the New American Standard Bible heads that chapter. David's great sin. And it was. You can't get around that. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband in the cover-up. And he would have to live with that for the rest of his life. It affected his family. It affected his reign. But is that how he's remembered? Does that one failure then define him forever? To his credit, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. But when you get to Stephen's sermon, or rather to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 13, despite David's great sin, here's how he his Life is summarized in Acts 13 and verse 36. He served the purposes of God in his own generation. He served the purposes of God in his own generation. You see, even after David's great sin, he was still remembered in his kingdom as a great king. In fact, every successive king in Judah was measured by David. He either walked in the ways of his father David, or he did not walk in the ways of his father David. They were all measured by him. And so when his life is summarized, he served the purposes of God in his own generation. Can you think of a better eulogy for you. Not for the preacher to get up at your funeral and say, well, this was a perfect man. She never failed once. She 
She served God's purpose in her generation. He did the best he could to fulfill God's will for him in his life. There's life after failure. It doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to be fatal and final. God gives us life even after epic fails. When Paul said, I have fought the good fight, he didn't mean he won every battle. He didn't mean he never sinned, he never messed up. But I kept fighting. I kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. The cross of Jesus Christ is itself an example of what God can do out of seeming failure. I mean, the devil thought he'd won. This was the worst thing that could have ever happened. And yet God transformed it into the greatest thing that ever happened to me and you. Because through the cross, God gives us life after our failures. You ready to come to Jesus? He has use for you. Whatever you've been formerly, He wants to redeem you and make you what you can be. And though you failed Him, what are you going to do from now on? You be like those who heard Peter's sermon and repenting of their sins were baptized into Christ for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of their sins and the hope of heaven. This song encourages you to do that, to make that choice and keep fighting the good fight right now while we stand and while we sing.